Hello, and welcome to episode 82 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. In this week's podcast, we are discussing the topic of balanced scorecards. So with that, let's go ahead and start the show. Sean, how's it going? Good, Les. How are you today? I am doing wonderful. Weather is wonderful. Uh, things are looking up. Life is good. Life is good. Yeah, might as well. Might Life is wonderful to get. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to uh, uh, take the approach on you know being a positive person, positive about life, positive about all that kind of stuff. You know. So. Yeah. I always think back. Um, I think it. I think it was like one of these Grammys or some kind of award show that I hate. Really, all award shows, to tell you the truth. But uh, and I didn't see this, but I, I saw it afterwards. I think um, <laughs> I was gonna say, did you watch it? <laughs> no, no, it was one of those you hate deals. It, but you watched it. <laughs> it was one of those deals. I think uh, Sinead O'Connor, you know, great oh, Irish singer. You know, Sinead O'Connor yeah. in the old days, she did something. I, I think to to, to uh, irritate you know Americans. I think you know did something and uh, everybody booed her. And it was I want to say it was Chris Christopherson or somebody from back. He got on the he got up on the stage. He says Sinead. We'll let the bugger. Actually, I'll say I'll say the word. Although I don't like saying bad words on this, I'm a, will we get will we get censored if I use the uh, the uh, bastard word? I don't know. No, no. So anyway, he said, "Don't let the bastards get you down." <laughs> I'll tell you, it can be trying sometimes. Life in general can be trying sometimes. Well, yeah, but on the on the side of you, you you can feel the way you want to feel. Don't let yeah. somebody else's impression make you feel bad. I don't know. We're not. Well, and I think that you yeah. and I, in general, are both uh, eternal optimists uh, for the most part. From you know, from what I know of you, and I, I know I yeah. usually try to be pretty positive about things. Well, on that, on that Which side is, of it, yeah. If you want, if if you want to be miserable, then go ahead, be miserable. But don't don't let everybody else be miserable. <laughs> the only, the only exactly. thing that's going to get done is if you're optimistic about a better, a better place. You know, right. That's that's the way I. Okay. So, so that's not what our topic is. No, we can deviate. Quickly. We can, we can, you know, we try, we try, we try to stay on track, but we can deviate. Um, we decided to talk about, um, a tool that is a management tool that's, you know, it's, it's used, um, with some frequency, I would imagine if I had to guess, uh, just, and I'm only making that surveillance based on, the number of books that are out on Amazon about the topic. You know, you can usually kind of tell um, how hot a particular tool is or a particular subject is just by looking at the number of books on Amazon. And there is a lot of books on this topic out on, on Amazon. And the topic is balanced scorecard. Yeah. So, and, and, so and you and I, I guess think we've mentioned it. We've mentioned the balanced scorecard before in different podcasts. We have. We and, have. and I think, I think this is a, a tool that, is kind of making a resurgence. I mean, it was, yes, it was touted for a while years ago, but then, then, you know, it seems to not be as prevalent, but you're right. I think it is to me, it's a good, it's such a good tool that it has to come back and, and people, people really can operate using the tool. Well, and just to give a little bit of history, the, the tool came out with Kaplan and Norton, um, back in 92, Mm-hmm. And and most books will talk about the 
the point at which that came out as the first phase of the tool, uh, they've, they, they've kind of considered there's three phases to this tool over the years. Uh, this latest phase being phase three. Um, and I think the reason it's making a, a resurgence is because now, uh, I believe most people feel that it is more ra- well-rounded now that they've added objectives and measures and they've added, um, you know, strategy mapping to it. So that you're not only looking at the, the four components, but you're seeing how those four components interact. So we'll get into that in a little bit, but, but I do believe that the tool is making a comeback and it is more well-rounded. Uh, and I think that is the reason it is making the comeback is because it, it, it does seem to be, um, solving some of those gap issues that, you know, a lot of leaderships had with the tool. They felt like it, I think most people felt like it got them a part of the way there. And then what did they do? You see what I'm saying? Um, so the framework wasn't maybe quite complete, maybe to put it that way. Well, yeah, but I, I find that as an excuse. Okay. There's, there's could a good be. tool. There's a good tool. You, 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 um, look at the aspects that really drive the business. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so what do you do with it? So, you know, if people use that as an excuse, I, I kind of question, really, you got, you captured that information, you analyzed the, the you know, four of the uh, major segments of your business, and you didn't know what to do next. Right. And it could be a reason just to write another book. Well, yeah, or heck, you know what? I'm not a consultant, but you know what? Hire me. I'll tell you what to do next if you give me all that data. <laughs> That's right. I'll tell you. So just to give a little bit of an outline of the of the base part of the tool for everybody, you've got um, uh, a, a, an image that everyone is used to when they talk about the balanced scorecard. And that image is the vision in the center of a diagram. So you've got a vision. And then out from that vision comes four major section of the business. And the reason uh, they have four is because in the past, most companies focused solely on financial. Well, I think... Norton and Kaplan's point was that uh, there's more than just the financial aspects of the business. Um, the four sections being financial still, mm-hmm. uh, the second section being customer satisfaction or customer, the third being internal processes, and the fourth being knowledge and growth. And, and I've seen them written, you know, some of them written in a couple different ways. But in general, those are the four points around your vision statement. So your vision is kind of saying where you're going, and those four points are how you're going to get there. And then within those four points, and we'll get to this in a second, you've got your objectives and your measures to support each of those four points. Yeah, yeah and, and you know what's, what's real interesting in, in telling you know, to tell, be honest with the people that are that are listening to this. You're you're reading a book now on this. I am, and I took a class. Another one, another, another one. one. <laughs> and I, I took a class on this at the University of Texas a while ago, and and as you were just going through that, I'm I'm looking at one of the pages in my book that I took in the class, and it's it's you know word for word that vision that you just described is illustrated on one of the pages in my book, and you you've never seen yeah. this book. Um, yeah, so, and, and, and that that is pretty consistent throughout. Very consistent. You know everything I look at. Yeah, yeah. you know I, I you know I'm reading the book I'm reading right now is I'm reading off my phone, but just to the left of me I have a bookshelf full of of business books, 
And just sitting here looking, I count four balanced scorecard books. Yeah, four of them. So, <laughs> like and I said, I have gone. Most people listening would be like, "Unless you got to get a hobby, <laughs> you got to get you got to get uh, something else going on, dude." What are you reading all these business books for? What, what are you crazy? Well, I will say that is pretty much the only kind of books I I do read is is books that are knowledge based. I don't read books for just fun. Uh, you know, yeah, just for fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I just don't. <laughs> I know you do, though, don't you? I do. Yeah, I read books from yeah, fun. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I like historical. Well, now, now I guess I shouldn't say in, in enjoyment because I enjoy the books I read. Actually, oh, yeah, you know, I just don't read. Uh, I guess it'd be considered uh, uh, fiction. I like historical fiction, like I was saying. So something that yeah. might have destinations and history in it. Yeah. World War II books. Anyway, nobody wants to hear that. So let's, yeah. So let's describe um, why a business would want to use a, a balanced scorecard framework. Well, I mean, what you know, why? It, I hate saying you know. That's one of those pet peeve things. It's a habit. <laughs> one of these habits. Yeah. I mean, one one. There's two main reasons. Okay. You can you can look at a summary of the organization on one page that, that crystallizes all key issues. You, you, can, you can get that summary as you build the infrastructure to support those four sections. You right. can summarize it in a page that drives towards that vision. Okay? Um, and the thing is, doesn't, it doesn't take a, a large effort to organize that information. When, when you break it up into... You know, the customer, the financial, the learning, and the internal. Actually, internal like, processes. Yeah, yeah, internal processes. These are things, these are things that you are and should be doing. All right. So, yeah. Kind of like, I'll just toss a couple out under, under the financial perspective, right? You're already doing forecasting, financial analysis. Um, back in the day, now this is interesting and it could be other, other topics of conversation. Um, and when I say back in the day, even when I got my MBA, I'm talking about activity-based costing and economic value added, EVA costing. <laughs> these are all, you, you know, you're laughing. These are all, you know, buzzwords of, of tools that were used. But Yeah, buzzwords that give me tired head. <laughs> oh, geez, not me. I love these things. So, you, you know, the financial side is already doing it. The, the internal, some of the things that, that, uh, that I have listed here, um, statistical process control, Six Sigma, you know, all, all of those quality uh, tools and aspects, all that stuff is being done. So, heck, you're, you're already capturing a lot of the information and a lot of the process. Just bubble it up to the top, right? So I just, I don't want to bore you with the probably 20, there's, you know, 20 items, um, five under each category that, uh, you know, of, of things that you should already be doing. So... Those are the two, to me, those are the two main reasons you should or, or would be good to organize under well, the card methodology. And to add to that, you know, the, the, with the center being your strategic direction. So the, the center should be laying out your one to three, one to three year, one to five year, three to five year, however long you want to take it, should be laying out your vision for a period. And that vision should be clear enough so that when you're writing um, your objectives for each of those four categories, those items are supporting your vision. So if your vision is to become a 
let's say a 50 million to 75 million threshold company, then you need to be putting objectives in place that support that vision. Um, now, I would personally suggest that you always don't make your vision about reaching a dollar figure. That's, that's an easy one. I, I do think that you can make a statement that says reaching that by doing this and possibly do you know, and by doing this, mm-hmm. you know, I think that your vision statement can be a little more robust than that. But the point is, is that all of your objectives that are, um, uh, supporting each one of those four key areas should ultimately be supporting your vision because that's the point, right? As leaders, you have sat down and you have scratched your heads and you have gnashed your teeth and you have worked through it and you have come up with a vision that you believe will, will help lead your company to the next level, whatever that level is, whatever it is for you, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's what you're looking, that's what you're looking to do. Because ultimately that's what this tool is trying to support is a, a vision of where you want to be when you go, when you get further down the road. Absolutely. And I think one of, one of the other visual, um, explanations of this tool is, is like, like you said, the, the vision in the center and then you know, surrounding it as the four pillars, those four sections. You right. know, that is, that is, that's, that's kind of horizontal and, and, um, on the, like, you know, on the X axis. If you want right. to, if you want to, if you want to turn this and make it three dimensional, each of those four support one another as well. You yes. know, the learning, the learning, you, you, you need to get to the fundamentals. So the learning and internal is to keep your employees at the knowledge level they need to be, you know, happy, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to come to work, employees, things like that, which then, which then feeds the process, right? So the process and, and the, um, the internal, the internal part of the balance scorecard then is how you actually operate with those employees, which feeds the customer. And if you feed the customer, the customer pays you, then you get the financial objective. So, so what you just, what you just described there was the strategy map. So that was not a part of the original, um, Kaplan and Norton program. Oh, was it not? All right. It was not. No. Um, that actually came out in 98 or 99, which was seven or eight years later after they wrote their first book. All right. Well, good. So, I took this class in 2005, so I got the new stuff. Yeah. So, so that's, that's one of the major evolutions that took place to improve the balanced scorecard that I was mentioning earlier was the addition of the, of the, um, strategy map so that they basically, like you said, took those four pillars and now they started asking the question of the item below it. So how can, um, what kind of objectives do I need to have in place in knowledge and learning to support internal processes? Mm-hmm. What kind of internal processes do I need to have in place to support my customer satisfaction? So on and so forth. And ultimately that feeds to, you know, your financial uh, numbers. So not only are you developing the four pillars to support your vision, but now you're developing uh, a hierarchy that supports each other uh, in, inside the the balance scorecard. Yeah, so we, it makes it makes very it makes a lot of sense. And and one of the nice things that I'd like to point out here is you know you and I usually talk about manufacturing and building things and, and engineering. We companies. do. You know yeah. this this description can go across 
all industries, all, all, uh, products, regardless of, of what the makeup is of that product. So here's, here's another, right. here's another aspect of, of what we're talking about here, not necessarily for, you know, fabrication and, and distribution type company. This is for any kind of company. Right. Now, I don't know if this was part of the, uh, second, um, culmination of the tool or not, but, um, the objectives and measures was kind of the next key focus. And, and I think that was part of the original, but I think they did develop them a little bit further in the next evolution of the tool. But the fact that you're now taking those objectives and you're putting a target with those objectives and you're actually measuring that target, uh, and making sure that you now have a way to, um, trickle it down to either your manager level or possibly even your, your frontline level, because that's the other piece of this is that you can't let this tool just be this, uh, leadership tool that hangs out at the top of your, your leadership environment and nobody knows about it. That's about the most, that is probably the biggest waste of time, uh, if you're trying to use a balanced scorecard. If if you're not using it in any way to communicate with your teams, then really you're not doing any good. You're just developing something that you're hope hoping that you can do and drive yourself, I guess. Well, yeah, and I I would hope in this day and age you don't see too many organizations that are are that siloed where where a, a tool is developed and implemented, but then only scarcely distributed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, cause, cause one of the things I was also reading in the book I was reading is that, uh, one of the questions that was asked was once you set your, um, uh, balance scorecard, should it be a static tool for the next one year, three years, five years, whatever your time range is, should it be static and not change? And his point was that it shouldn't be. You should be evaluating at major milestones. And there are times when you might have to retweak your mm-hmm. balance scorecard and re-deliver it back out to the team due to major changes in your business, uh, major changes in your, in your, uh, environment that you work with, uh, that you sell to, you know, all kinds of things could happen. You know, this yeah. is a fast paced world that we live in. So, right. And that's why we thought of talking about this now after we talking about, you know, changing our strategy last week. You know, there exactly. Are, there are things, yeah. There are things that kind of kick you off of your, your track. You yeah. know, you know, if that's the case. So you've got to put, well, what Go I was going to say is Go the ahead. thing is that you have to, you have to know what track you're on and then understand when industrial forces kick you off that track. And then you have to be ready with the knowledge of the rest of your business on how to, readjust. Now the flip side of that is that you don't want to be just moving around and changing with the wind because then you seem wishy-washy. Well, so you got to be careful here. There is a fine balance between why you'd want to change it and, and changing it often could actually do more damage to you because then people are just, well, I don't know what we're doing now. You know, they're just, you know, you're but just then your measurement, the your, your measurement should show you if you are changing, you know, at too too low of a threshold of impact to the business. If, you're, yes. if you are, and if you're consistent and think about this, measuring regardless of of the adjustment you make, you continue to measure, 
and you can analyze your measurements based on when you adjust and why you adjust, I would expect that over time you will you will measure and adjust less and less, kind of like dampening the hunting on on a you know something that's measuring something that's measuring the flow or something like that. That that you can you can get to the point at which you want to be on based on what you've seen and what you've done at previous points in the, on the line. Right. If that's not too confusing. You know, I don't know. I can see it in my head. <laughs> as long as you can see it in your head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm wondering uh, how often uh, a, you know, a balanced scorecard is used uh, in businesses that today. I'm, I'm looking up to see if there's a statistic out there that shows um, how often uh, you know balanced scorecard is is actually being used? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know anybody that I meet up with, and I do go to peer group meetings and things like that. Um, I, I haven't heard of anybody saying, "Oh, yeah, we use a balanced scorecard for strategy and and performance measurement." Yeah, uh, so, you know, and and I'm the same way. I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's any numbers that have been posted or anything like that. Just, um, like I said, my only, my only observation was the number of books. And if obviously they wouldn't be writing books if people weren't interested in it. So, I mean, it's obviously, you know, it's obviously being used, but I have not, and I'm not seeing anything here. I have not seen, um, you know, any numbers to support whether, Balanced scorecard is being used by 20% of the companies, 50% of the companies, anything like that. But I guess the reason I'm asking that question is, or, or, or I'm going down that path is, is what do you think the reasons are why a company would not try to use something like the balanced scorecard to give their, their strategy, um, development some framework or some, you know, standard at which to build by? Yeah, why, answering the question why they wouldn't use this tool is, yeah. is, is tough because you, both of us, we like the tool and we think it's valuable. Now, in the company that I'm in now, in the last company that I was in, we didn't use it there either. It's, so, so. Yeah, the, see, the I've never used it in any of our facilities. Even though, even though I went to, I went to class at the last company I was in to learn about this and bring it back and, and, bring it to the team. Now, did, did I fail on bringing the team? Yeah, because eh, upper management really wasn't invested. So, so the question, I think the real question is, what if any tools are being used to manage the business or is it just being run by, you know, the leadership of each department and then just measuring financial goals and everybody's, everybody's okay with that and the financial goals aren't Aren't uh, where they need to be. If financial performance isn't where it needs to be, what are the what are the repercussions? What do they do? And unfortunately, I would say that a lot of times they say, "Well, cut costs." What does that mean? Cut headcount. Yeah. So you see people you see people cutting headcount because finances aren't right, and there really isn't a direct tie between that because you haven't trained the people, you haven't given them a good process, you haven't made the customer happy. I, I, to me, if if that's the case, if you're in an organization. And that's the way you operate. Hey, we've got goals. We don't meet the goals. We go to cut costs. Forget about, forget about those goals. The question that needs to be answered is, are we making the customer happy? And do the, do the pillars of our organization support the vision that we have? I would say that there's, right. there's a, 
a Swiss cheese vision, and the customer isn't very happy. <laughs> yep, I would agree. Yeah, I actually found a number. Oh, you did? Good. <laughs> I did. So what do you think? What, what would be your guess? Under 30%. Yeah, well, and that's what I would have thought too, but apparently that's not the case. Garner Group, now they did say Garner Group suggests that over 50% of large U.S. firms have adopted the balanced scorecard system. Now, it does say large firms, and uh, it does it is suggested that it's – but still, that number is higher than what I thought. All right, well, you and know, I don't know that's, what, that's good, and here's the eternal optimist, okay? I was I was a pessimist on that. Where it was like I figured it was under thirty percent. Now I'm, I live in the small company world, and I do too. So the thing is, what do we do with that information? Let's go find somebody that we know in a big company and ask them and say, "Hey, help us, help us get this going in our company." Yeah, that's what I said. And 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 why does it and why does it work within a large company as opposed to you know maybe a small company? Is there a reason why people haven't adopted it in the smaller organizations? Yeah, the only you know, thing does it I can take... say there is, so, uh, and I, I I put this under the excuse category. Well, we're so small, we're nimble, we just do, we wear multiple hats, and we just do everything, and it all gets worked out in the end. Right, and I would agree with you that that probably is, but uh, no the reason, general statement. Yeah, in my in my opinion, there's no reason to organize organize your your small company chaos. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is. This is just organized planning. Mm -hmm. I mean, all you're trying to do is put some effort towards the direction you're going as opposed to what's, what's the opposite? Hope. <laughs> you know, and, and you know how we feel about hope. <laughs> hope is not a strategy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, folks, all we're trying to do here is just kind of give a broad uh, overview, a broad a starting point on balanced scorecard. There's a lot to balanced scorecard. Like, you know, Sean and I said, we're, we're both, um, you know, reading stuff on it right now and we're, we're studying a little bit. And, and I know I'm personally doing that because I think it might be something good that would help the organization that I'm in now, because we do not use a balanced scorecard, uh, you know, methodology, but I think it would help uh, help us tremendously get on the uh, same page it, as long as the team was on board with doing it. It can't be just a, a one-man show trying to push it through. Uh, it has to be truly a team effort to develop a good, solid, balanced scorecard. So. Couldn't argue with you there. And, and you know, it is so, hard. I'll say, I'll say it is hard when, when, you know, you're in an organization, regardless of the organization, even if it's, you know, the local soccer board, you know, or baseball board, you've got, you know, 15 people on the board and you've got a good idea. How do you get that good idea to permeate the rest of the board members? I mean, trying to get everybody right. invested, invested in, in a good idea that one person has. So that's, to me, that's, that's a, a valuable conversation topic uh, on how you do it. And, you know, you, you're not going to be manipulative or any of the bad things, but you, you've got to frame it. You've got to frame it in such a way that that people want to get on board and can see the end end goal value, right? You know, yep. And then because they, they have to understand how much work is involved on getting it done. So, from this top level view, do you think there's anything else we should touch on as far as balance scorecard goes? No, I mean you energized me again 
to, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's why I still have the book after taking the class in 2005, 12 years ago. I still have, I still have the book and I always, I always try to bring things back to a balanced card, balanced board card type of, of discussion. But, right. but, um, you know, having it guide our organization, that's, that's the next step. Now I'm with a you know, relatively new organization and, and it's something that can be discussed our next strategy. And that, and that's where I'm at too. Yeah. So. Anyways, we hope that, uh, you know, everybody, you know, finds this, this overview valuable. Um, you know, like we said, we weren't trying to dive into the details, but, uh, uh, we just wanted to kind of touch base with the tool. It's a powerful tool and, uh, a lot of, a, a lot of ways it can be used and a lot of ways it can help your organization if you decide to invest in, you know, the tool appropriately. Like I said, there's a lot of good books. Uh, the book that, um, I'm currently reading is, I just, closed my phone out <laughs> um, is balanced scorecard evolution, a dynamic approach to strategy execution. And it's by Paul Nivian. Yeah. And so I, I would say too, now that, I, now that you said, you said the Gardner group gave that, that statistic of 50, 50% of companies. I'm what I'm going to do is, is look up some of those companies to see if they've got papers or case studies of their own, of their own application of the balanced scorecard. And, and to me, that would be pretty, pretty valuable to see how other people implemented and what their hurdles were. Right. Mm. I would agree. Well, why don't we go ahead and end this podcast here? I hope that everybody enjoys it and we will talk to you all next week. Sean, you take care, buddy. You too, Les. Take care. Yep. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man vs. Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week. Thank you.